0: Now, well, maybe it's like Casey says. The fella ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul. The one big soul that belongs to everybody. Then, then what, up? The? Then it don't matter. I'll be all around in the dark.
1: I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy, I'll be there and the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise, living in the houses they build, I'll be there too.
2: I don't understand it,
1: though. Me neither, Mom.
0: Just something I've been thinking about.
1: You're listening to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast, Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything, from sports to gardening, from good food with close friends, to great music and movies, provided by your hosts, Cody Stauffer,
2: the reluctant Gen Xer, and Craig Morton, the token baby boomer. These guys are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but they will be entirely by accident.
1: Sometimes we plan it, but not very often.
0: Yeah, but then we get words mixed up like pariah, piranha, who knows?
1: Accidents are sometimes happy. And they're profound. Uh, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about uh, profound, but uh, they make us think.
0: But well, they're profound if you say, oh, there's a deep meeting, you just need to dig for it.
1: is this our first time recording in the new year
0: it is Happy
1: 2019 new year.
0: and i really appreciated your facebook post a couple of days ago weeks ago whatever it was where what did you post 2019 365
1: times <laughs> that's right that's right so that i have never once written it wrong
0: well, that doesn't mean you've never once written it wrong, but you've written it correctly at least three hundred times. Yeah, but I'm,
1: saying, I'm just saying, uh, since then, I have not written it incorrect.
0: But I've, I've not written it incorrectly yet, either. You haven't? No, not yet. I haven't no. written anything. Have you, I don't written
1: write... it, have you written it at all?
0: No, I haven't. I've, I've oh, wow. You the can't claim all out anything, then. By the way, I'm Craig.
1: Craig, that's Craig over there, and I'm Cody, the... Yeah. On the border between Gen X and Millennial.
0: And we have a co-host with us today, our special guest, Sarah Jackson.
1: Wait, there's somebody, uh, we have somebody who agreed to be on here with us again?
0: I, I, think, I think we tricked her. No, I don't know
2: how this happened, but I'm here.
1: We are
0: oh, so grateful man. that you are. That's Sarah.
2: Hi, guys. And,
0: Sarah's and Jackson. Sarah
2: Jackson.
1: What Sarah, ge- what generation do you belong to?
2: I think I'm a millennial. I was yeah. born in 1984, so I'm like right on the cusp.
1: That's what I am actually too. So I was born in the last, the closing months of 1980. So according to some sociologists, I'm a millennial and to some I'm a Gen Xer. And I like millennials better than Gen Xers. So that's why
2: I'm a reluctant Gen Xer. Like what's the? Meaning? I don't know. <laughs> You don't I
1: don't know? know. How could
2: know. you like one more than the other if you don't know? Because
1: I don't know. I. Uh, <laughs> it sounds cooler.
0: Well, all I can say is I don't like being classified as a baby boomer.
2: Why? I, <laughs>
0: I, I, I tend to blame baby boomers for so much of the trouble.
1: <laughs> because baby boomers are terrible, that's why.
2: <laughs> okay, so at least we know we're not baby boomers, Cody.
1: That's right, exactly.
2: You're safe. You're safe.
0: <laughs> and, and I and I struggle because I spend 30, you know, 30 hours a week. Well, maybe not that much, but half, half of my life I spend with teenagers. Ah. So it's like, I don't know where I belong.
1: And your body tells you that you have been, haven't you? You were talking. So my body talking tells
0: me I'm you. A, body, a body boomer. No, a, <laughs> a body a boomer? boomer. Uh, but <laughs> my body tells me I'm a baby boomer. There we go. That's rough to say. Anyway.
1: So, yeah, Craig was please, so speaking perfect. of volleyball. Or speaking of Sarah Jackson, Sarah, yeah. you play volleyball, right?
2: I do my best. Yep.
1: Well, Craig was. That's why I bring it up because Craig was uh, telling me he was trying to teach sixteen-year-olds what they should be doing when they play volleyball, and now he's hurting because of it.
0: Volleyball isn't
1: that I'm what you said?
0: Volleyball. What,
1: what, I thought you said wait, volleyball. Your
0: body no, is hurting. I, I track. I'm a track coach. I wasn't doing <laughs> volleyball. Okay. Where'd you get that?
1: I don't know. I thought that's what we were talking about. I'm a millennial. I don't pay attention.
2: Brack is so far different than volleyball. Like, how does that even happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Cody had a short attention span.
2: It's actually why I like to play volleyball because it does not require a lot of running. So,
0: so <laughs> why, why, so Sarah, uh Let's introduce you a little bit. So not only are you in Denver and you're kind of a millennial slash Xer or millennial, you also are, what's the word you use? Director? The term you use is director of Casa de Paz?
2: Yeah, I just, whatever people want to call me, they can call me that. The girl who lives at Casa de Paz, the one who started it, the director, doesn't matter to me. Oh That's yeah, not, cool. not
1: in love so, with titles. She's definitely a millennial.
2: So, this. <laughs> Find Casa
0: de Paz, other than saying House of Peace, but other than that, what, what is Casa de Paz?
2: It is my house. I live here. It is a home located about 15 minutes away from the Immigrant Detention Center, and it's a hospitality home. And we open the doors of our house for um, guests to stay with us. Uh, We have people who have been released from the Immigrant Detention Center and are left basically homeless on the street, and instead of being homeless on the street, we welcome them to our home, and we also uh, invite families from out of town to stay with us while they are here in the Denver area to visit. family member uh, when they're locked up in the detention center. Kind of like the Ronald McDonald home concept, but for families separated by immigrant detention.
1: Okay, so these folks who are in the immigration detention center are, how did they end up in Colorado? Like,
2: yeah, so actually almost every single state in the United States has at least one, if not many, detention centers. And so the immigrants that are locked up here in this particular one, there are almost 1,000 men and women locked up uh, in the detention centers. Colorado. And these are people who have either lived in the United States for a any period of time, you know, one year, 20 years, 50 years, and they're undocumented. And so they've been arrested by immigration for being undocumented and then put into a detention center wa- wa- where their fate is being decided whether or not they can stay in the United States or they must be deported to their home country. And then there are also asylum seekers who have come from their home country fled because it's too dangerous for them to stay there, Uh, whether that's political persecution or religious persecution or uh, gang violence, whatever reason is causing them to flee, they turn themselves in at the border to a border patrol officer and say, you know, my name is, Jose, my name is whatever, uh, you know, and I'm here asking for asylum and the way that our country welcomes asylum seekers is by putting them in these four, m- mostly for-profit prisons. Uh, so these, this is a mix of people living in the United States and then also just recently arrived asylum seekers.
1: So, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to ask, are there any detainees, um, who, have been here for like a long time before they finally end up in the detention center, like say more than a year or five years, or even have lived like a good chunk of their lives here and then ended up there.
2: Yeah. So on Tuesday we actually hosted an elderly grandmother. I didn't ask her specific age. If I had to guess, she was probably 65 or 70 years old. And she told me that she has been living in the United States for 33 years of her life. And I don't know how she got on the radar of ICE, but she was arrested by immigration and put into a detention center in Arizona where she had been living. She was detained for two years in that detention center when one morning she heard a knock on her cell door and it was a guard telling her to pack up all of her things because she was leaving. And she had no idea if she was being released or if she was being transferred to a different detention center or she was being deported. But she followed the instructions, she packed up her bag and then they moved her from the detention center in Arizona all the way over here to Colorado. Um, and actually this was one of the most difficult uh, stories that I ever had to hear from a guest. She told me that Um, She has eight U.S. citizen children. She has three U.S. citizen grandbabies. And she was uh, detained during these uh, recent holiday days, you know, Christmas and New Year's. And her son, her 19 year old son had called her a few days before Christmas to just chit chat with her and He told her that they were making tamales and and then he told her, mom, I have great news. My wife and I, we just found out we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby. And she was just ecstatic and thrilled to hear this good news. Um, And then a few days later, she received a phone call from her husband and her husband told her that the same son had a heart attack. Out of the blue, nobody knew that he had any problem with his heart, but that he had a heart attack and he passed away while she was in that detention center. Oh Yeah wow. So this lady, 33 years living in the United States, her whole family, her established life is here and, and then she her son dies while she's locked up.
1: Oh,
2: oof. Yeah. Wow. That, so
0: how did you even get into doing this? How did that all begin?
2: It was a total accident. Um, (laughs) I was working at a church in Colorado Springs, which is about an hour and a half away from Denver, and I was the pastor's assistant. Our pastor actually got invited to go down to the Mexico-US border to learn about immigration issues, and specifically as people of faith, how do we respond when immigrants come to the country that we live in? Uh, He could not attend that trip. And um, it was an all-expenses-paid trip to Mexico. Mexico and I could not pass that up. So I raised my hand and volunteered to attend the trip just because I wanted a free trip to Mexico. Honestly, yeah. I did not care about learning. Like I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get a tan. I'm going to get some good Mexican food. I'm to get
0: That's um, awesome.
2: Yeah, I thought it was going to be awesome and it was awesome, but not in the way that I expected because when I went down there for the very first time in my life, I I heard stories of real people, you know, sitting across the dinner table from me telling me that they had just been separated from their family, just been deported or or were trying to get to the United States to reunite with their family and and they couldn't be together and and I was hearing story after story after story and I, I just imagined what if I was in their shoes? What if this was me? Or what if this was my sister or my dad? How would I want to be treated or how how would I want my family to be treated? And and so when I returned back to Colorado after that trip, I, I couldn't just ignore what I had seen and heard and witnessed. And I just wanted to do something to put a family back together again because the family uh, issue just kept coming up over and over and I'm like super close to my family. So I was like, what can I do? Right. And here we are.
1: <laughs> wow. And you've hosted how many people?
2: Let's see. As of yesterday, we have hosted 1,714 uh, guests. Yeah,
0: <laughs> That's crazy. Uh-huh. Holy cow. Is your house like an apartment complex and you've got room to host 300 people? or What I... I'm having trouble visualizing this what's it look like when yeah
2: well actually you said apartment and when i first first started the casa it was in my one bedroom apartment okay and uh when we had a family or a guest stay with me i'd give them the bedroom and then i'd crash on the couch <laughs> and then after about four wow. years of that i started wondering how does it feel to have your own bedroom at the end of the (laughs) day? And so we moved into a five bedroom home about two years ago and we have one bedroom for me. I have my own bedroom. We have another bedroom for my roommate, Oliver. He's a former guest of the Casa. He was released from detention after being detained for seven months. He's an asylum from Cameroon, Africa. He has a bedroom. I have a bedroom and then we have one bedroom for the women who have been released one bedroom for the men who have been released and one bedroom for families. So each bedroom has two bunk beds. So we have, you know, almost every day we have enough beds for everyone, but on the off chance that we maybe have too many people and not enough beds, all we do is ask our volunteers if someone has an extra room to share. And within minutes, sometimes seconds, every need that we've ever posted has been taken care of.
1: That's remarkable.
2: Yeah.
1: That's awesome, what do you so uh, what's like the max capacity then at one time? I mean d- before you have to go to volunteers
2: well, so if we have three guest bedrooms and each bedroom has two bunk beds, Craig right. do the math
1: well, that's six
2: <laughs> Just kidding that's a total of twelve okay however, I know that I was kind of being a punk in my answer but. <laughs> Uh, a few weeks ago where we had all twelve beds filled and then we also had a gentleman sleeping on the couch because uh it was uh he really wanted to stay at Casa de Paz and so we said, Well, you can stay here, but the only room left is a bed on the couch and he's like, That's cool, I'll do That'll
1: it. Work. That'll work. Yeah. Wow, cool. Okay.
0: So you there how many of these are, are like long term residents? I mean, they're there for a week or two, or most of them just there for a night or two while they're visiting somebody in detention or yeah, so
2: um, most of the people staying with us are people who have been released from the detention center. Okay. I would say maybe two or three times a month do we have a family uh, come and stay. So most of the people who are staying with us are people who have just been released from the detention center. So that means they've either won their case and the judge has granted them whatever relief they were looking for. And they're released and legally they're allowed to live in the United States. They can work, they can do all that good stuff. Uh, Or somebody could be released from the detention center who has been given a bond or maybe they've been released on parole. And so if the family can pay that bond, the immigrant is able to leave detention. Their case is still in process. So they still have, you know, such subsequent court dates to appear in front of their judge, but they don't have to be detained in that process. So um, most people that we have here, uh, you know, on um, Monday, there were eight individuals who had been released from detention that stayed with us. There were a couple guys from India, a guy from China, someone from Pakistan. Uh, We had a a lady from Mexico. On Tuesday, we had four, five uh, guests. Every night is different, but but 99% of the immigrants that have been released and come here to the house have family or friends somewhere in the United States. And so we just provide very short-term hospitality for our guests and help them get back to their family, wherever their family is in California, in New York, in Chicago. So they stay here maybe one, two, maximum three nights. We have a three-night maximum stay just so that we keep – Okay open beds for sure.
0: more and more people now you i, I had met you uh, almost three years ago in 2016 and at that time became a little familiar about what you were doing and kind of kept track of it a little bit and and for the most part it seemed as if you know things were just kind of going moderately well no real um no, you know no, nothing that really seemed to capture a lot of attention but then over this past year um there have been you know an article in the guardian uh captured the attention of uh david byrne for old guys like us Mm -hmm. wow talking heads and then and then um oh and i think you said there's a documentary that's been developed or something i mean something happened over the the recent past that really has highlighted the issue of immigrants I, what what has what has it been like over this last year because it seems like things have changed
2: yeah i think we've been really blessed to have captivating stories to tell and really be able to put a face to the issue, quote unquote, of immigration. And so I think when you have a chance to have your heart feel something or to have your maybe emotions impacted, like it, it, it's not, it, it's contagious. And so especially this past summer under the the zero tolerance policy when children were forcibly separated from their parents at the border and held in separate detention centers, Um, we actually were able to host over a a dozen of those parents who had been released from the detention center in Aurora. So they had been detained right there on the border, you know, of Arizona, Texas, California. Children were taken away from them, put into other detention centers wherever, you know, all across the country. And then those parents, about 50 of them, were transferred up here to the detention center in Colorado. And so when we found out that there were, these uh, parents here, we just knew, you know, we've got to do something to get them out so that they can get their kids out of prison. I mean, and some of the parents that were staying with us had children four, five, six years old, and it had been weeks or months since they had even talked to their child. And so we um, I, I think that because of the involvement that we had especially this summer that we were able to to gain a little bit of um, attention um, just because those stories were particularly heartbreaking I mean they're all sad and they're all traumatic um, but there's a for me there was a, a level of intensity this summer and, and the, a, a look in the faces of these parents that are different from most people I yeah.
0: Well, how did you get those stories out? Who, who, who picked those up that they actually were told to a wider audience? How'd that, how that begin?
2: Uh, your guess is as good as mine. You know, I wake up in the morning and there's an email in my inbox. Hey, Sarah, uh, I'm a reporter for The Guardian. I want to tell the story. Okay. Hey, Sarah, we're doing a story on the families who have been separated under the zero tolerance policy. I'm a reporter from The New York Times. Okay. We we actually held a fundraiser this summer uh, at a local brewery and we were raising money to uh, cover some of the bond costs of these parents and so we could bond them out and get them out of detention and one of the ladies that stayed or that came to our fundraiser, her daughter is the executive producer of MTV's show Teen Mom and she actually lives in Boulder, just about an hour away from here. And so the lady, the mom was like, hey, I really want you to meet my daughter. Uh, and I said, great, like invite her over. So we, she came over here to Casa and then she told me that she. Uh-oh. Well, probably the about Rose... a month and a half ago. Uh, she, uh, favorite
0: We're getting some audio problems here. Hold on. Hold on. We've got some audio problems.
2: Are you there, Cody?
1: I'm here, yeah. I think it might be on. I think we're good now.
0: Can you hear us, Sarah? I can, yeah. Well, we we, we lost the story of meeting the MTV person.
2: Maybe we just weren't supposed to hear it.
1: Well,
0: I don't know (laughs) if I believe in predestination or else one of our previous guests would be really upset. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so, so you ended up meeting somebody who basically had significant broadcast connections, obviously. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's kind of cool. We're actually uh, yesterday I got an email from someone over at the BBC, and they're going to tell they're interested in telling our story too. I'm like that's pretty cool.
1: And and you know now. What? what? And now you get to tell people you've met us too. So.
2: <laughs> that is at the
1: top of my list that's awesome <laughs> it's all been so leading to this
2: there are over almost right now and there maybe even over there are almost two hundred detention centers in the United States, and there are only a handful maybe ten homes like this or programs out there for post release support uh, or hospitality for families affected by immigrant detention and so I think the more yeah. people that can hear this and are yeah move to maybe just open up a room in their house or something like that like it's important oliver uh the the gentleman who stayed uh at the casa after his release um and then basically i just never let him leave and i made him stay here and help me (laughs) run the house uh he had turned himself in in a detention at the border of tijuana san diego he was detained in what they call the ice box for a week where they keep yep. the temperature so cold. Yep. Um, and then he was transferred to a detention center in Arizona and he was actually praying to God. First of all, he said, God, please get me out of this prison. Right. But then his second prayer was please do not release me from the detention center in Arizona because it's so remote oh taxis don't even go there. He Mm. would have been wandering around. He had no money. He had no cell phone. He didn't know anyone in Arizona. So he actually was transferred from Arizona up here to Colorado. And then when he was released, um, he was not wandering in the desert. Wow,
1: that's incredible. So you're
2: located in a city. You're saying
1: there's only 10 houses like yours, but back when you first started back in 2012? Yeah. were, uh, Were there any?
2: Yeah, I actually modeled Casa de Paz off of a hospitality home called El Refugio, which means the refuge. The refuge, yeah. They're in Georgia, and they have a home for families. And I heard about that after I had come back from my trip on the border, and I knew right away, that's what I want to do for two reasons. One, everything that this house is about is reuniting families and creating a space for a family to be back together again. And two, I thought, this is going to be so easy. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. All you have to do is get a house and let people stay with you.,
1: <laughs> oh, and is it that easy?
2: Honestly, it is sometimes <laughs> sometimes I freak out over the smallest things, and I like stress myself out over things that you do not need to be stressed out about. but really, at the end of the day, that's exactly what we've done we've We've gotten a home. And we invite people to stay with us. And it's not only me now, because when I started the house, I really imagined it would be me forever and always in this tiny little one bedroom apartment. But now we have a home. We have literally hundreds of volunteers who have gone through our training and ready to host immigrants or visit immigrants in detention. And that's why when we have a need, we put it out and it's filled in moments. It's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. So are some
0: of those uh, uh, volunteers actually bringing uh, folks into their home following your model, or or how does that
2: Yeah, so once in a while an immigrant will be released from the detention center. They will have no friends, no family in the United States. This is just where they happen to get dumped out of, you know, at this detention center. And so when we find out about people in that situation, we ask our volunteers who will open up your home for one month and let someone stay here a little bit longer term, a little bit of a longer time in order to find a job, maybe get a little bit of English skills, make some friends in the community. So we have people who have done that. Uh, We also have uh, oftentimes a a volunteer will just hit it off with one of the guests and they'll have a really great connection. And then they'll invite them to stay at their home uh, because you know during the day, here at the CASA is a little bit quieter because I have a job I the CASA is not my job I have an actual real job where i get a paycheck so i'm typically working during the day oliver has a job during the day he's not here so when our volunteers have a chance to invite one of our guests into their home and provide a little bit more accompaniment and friendship during the day we we have we say go for it and and it's really cool sometimes i'll get a picture of the guests and our volunteer in their home and and one of our guests or one of our volunteers greg Sent me a picture of uh, of a guest that they had invited to their house, and Greg said, Look, it's La Casita de Paz, like the little, uh, the
0: little house. Yeah,
2: yeah. I That's loved awesome.
1: it. Yeah. That's cool. What does the so you have a job, but how do you fund what you do in the the casa?
2: Yeah, it's really fun. It's a fun way to fund what we do. We play volleyball. Uh, I know it sounds kind of random, but when I first started the uh, uh, CASA, everything was like hunky dory for like three months and I was able to pay all my bills and everything was on time, my bills. and, And then there was one month where I looked at my bank statement and I realized I had no money left. And I have like got dipped into my savings and, you know, because we had more and more people staying with us and I was spending more money on food and giving people money to fill up their ta- their tank uh, with gas to get back home. And it was, ew, I was nervous and I just wanted to quit. And I wanted to say, well, I tried, but... I'm not going to ask people for money. And so, you know, a for effort, Sarah, you know, but it didn't work. But then my friend at the time was like, you can't do that. You've got to find a way to make some money. And he asked me what else I love to do besides reuniting families. And I said, well, I love to play volleyball. And he said, well, you should start a volleyball league and you should charge people to play. And then at the end of the season, whatever profit you have left over, you send it to the Casa and then that you can use it to pay for your rent and your food and your utilities and Honestly, one of the only reasons I agreed to start the Volleyball League is so that I could turn around to my friend and prove him that he was wrong. That it it would not
0: work. <laughs> I
2: told you so, but he was right. The very first season of Volleyball Internacional, we started with six teams registered, and I was floored that six teams you know teams would choose our league to play in uh but now we are in our almost sixth year of playing and we have on average about 70 teams that register every season and so the profit from that league is enough to sustain our operating costs. We don't have any paid staff, so we have really low costs. Uh, but any additional money that we make from that volleyball league, or that's donated to us or a grant that we receive, I'm saving, 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 saving. And then when we have the cash plus $50,000 in the bank, I'm going to buy a home. And I am going to have that house forever and always be committed to welcoming immigrants and their families. And- Mm. That's that just makes me excited. We're we're pretty close to getting there, actually.
1: Really? Yeah. Are yeah. there ways that uh, other? Uh, I, I live in Clarkson, Washington. I'm not going to join your volleyball league. Is there a way I could, for example, contribute towards your nonprofit?
2: Yeah. So if you go to our website, which is casa de paz colorado dot org, you can click on our donate page, um, and there are a variety of ways that you can. Uh, contribute whether that's a financial gift or you can go to our target registry and see some things around the house that we may need Uh, but if you're also interested in making a connection with someone who is detained, we also have a pen pal program. So you don't Mm. need to be in the Denver area to be able to write a letter to someone. So if you're interested in being a pen pal, you can reach out to us. Uh, there's a form on our website that says, I want to volunteer. And so you can fill out that form and then we'll be in touch with next steps. Uh, but that's just a really simple and really, uh, powerful way to, keep someone company while they're in detention. Um, you know, people can be detained maybe only a few months, but I personally know people who have been detained for years six, seven years.
0: Wow. You know what,
2: or how depressed or how hopeless. So
0: so there's a, I I, I love the, the letter writing way to, to plug in and be, be connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's within just about anyone's means uh yeah. anybody wants to be supportive or involved that's one way to do it also it's a way to develop a relationship which you know it, sometimes the dollars are really really handy but i would imagine through those relationships that's where people's attitudes change
2: yes exactly you can read all the articles all you can watch all the documentaries you can listen to all the podcasts but for me i see the most transformation happen when you meet someone who has personally been affected and yep. then it's no longer that person i heard about it's like uh no it was that person that i had dinner with <laughs> and mm-hmm. took to the airport or you know yeah. board game with. you know it's a, it's your friend it's someone you know yeah, it, it,
0: something is no longer an issue then. You know, it's not mm-hmm. that abstract issue. We talk about issues, but this, these are these are people you know and care about. This is it's, it, and that's where transformation really begins to occur.
2: Yeah, we normally don't look at people and call them issues. Exactly. <laughs> like I know we have issues, but
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> normally, people don't look at us and say, "Oh, that's an issue." Like,
0: well, you know? they might. They might. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they do. Only, only when I'm walking away, hopefully.
1: <laughs> Boy, there was just a bundle of issues right there.
0: <laughs> bundle. That's a good thing. <laughs> <guess. laughs> one of, one uh, of the things that I, I love, I mean, Cody and I are like jocks at heart. We've never grown out of love and sports. And just the idea that volleyball is a way to finance something so vital, so powerful, it's it's just really pretty cool. Yep. Um, yeah. It's a way for people who love to be active and want to, Use that to, uh, you know, make something really powerful happen in a community. Um, that's pretty cool.
1: Your friend was a genius.
0: Yeah, I did. You ended ended up. Not yeah, you don't have to like... <laughs> Oh, she cut out again.
2: Started. He was actually my ex. Oh, can you hear me now?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You,
2: uh, yep. I was going to say the guy who started the volleyball league with me was, we were actually dating at the time. Oh. so We're not dating longer, but I really wish I could have said, told you so, but whatever. Okay.
0: You know, well, I'll tell him to listen to the podcast it. and he'll, he'll hear you say that. So. <laughs> yeah, I <don't> think so.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, well, okay.
0: did, you, did, did you want to ask the, the four?
1: Yes. So we when we have guests or interviews uh, people we interview we ask a series of questions and they're pretty I, you're going to feel a lot of pressure on these so Oh boy. Okay Should so I the first question <laughs> So the first question is Sarah what are you drinking So it can obviously I just saw you grab the tea you can tell us that if you want but What would be like, if you're inviting me over for a drink, what is the drink? What's like, okay, you've got to try this.
2: Hot chocolate. I know it sounds so stupid, but this (laughs) best hot chocolate is called Abuelitas.
1: There you go. You
2: get warm milk, you melt the chocolate in there, and then you get these coconut cookies and you dip it in and you let them get soggy and then you eat it and you cannot stop eating it. So actually, no, I wouldn't invite you over because then I'd have to share. So never mind. That's a drink I drink. (laughs) you had the coconut
0: uh,
1: i like I like no, it. that sounds so good, good. Exactly. yeah that sounds good i know
2: it sounds but you just have to try
1: it i would try that that sounds good okay what are you reading so it can be an it can be a uh, online article that you think everyone should read it could be a book right now that you're like i can't put down it could be a magazine you know anything what are you reading
2: Well, I just started reading that book "Dare to Lead," I think, by Brené Brown. Yes, good, good. And by just started reading, I mean that Amazon sent it to me a week ago, and I haven't opened it up yet. But it's (laughs) on my bedstand.
0: Oh, anything, Brené Brown? Yeah, Yeah, I gotta do
2: it. I gotta do it. Good choice. Good choice. When I read, it's just. You know, I, I just, my brain sort of like turns off. So I just feel like I have to get more focused, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to read it this week.
1: Nice. I love it. To read it. Okay. <laughs> what are you listening to? So this can be a, uh, you know, a podcast you think people should listen to, or it can be an album right now that you're really vibing to or anything like that. What are you listening
2: to? I love Brandi Carlisle.
1: Oh. Yes, my wife loves Brandi Carlisle.
2: Oh, her songs mean everything yep. at any part of my life
1: nice like,
2: how does it happen where you can be in a one place you know a couple years ago and then the song takes on a whole new meeting two years ago it's the same words i love yep. her music yep. one of my goals is to attend one of her cruises
1: Ooh. oh yeah 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 oh, yes my every day. Name. Oh, okay my so God. my wife she, she loves brandy carlisle but she also loves so she and i together love a band called the Avitt brothers and oh. Yeah, so the Avid Brothers and Brandy Carlisle are really good friends. So they always they perform together all the time. Like Do you know um, the
0: David Brothers, really? What's that? You love the Avid Brothers, huh? Never yeah, knew so that. We, love,
1: we love the David Brothers. In fact, we've been and seen them in Red Rocks a couple times. So you've
0: yeah. seen them in Portland. You've seen them in. Uh, <laughs> we've seen
1: them at a lot of places. Yes. Followed them for a so week. You might like them as well if you like Brandy Carlisle. So yeah. I'm just putting okay, that out there. We'll have to check right. it out. Okay. Yeah uh uh what, see, what did i ask already drink you just, you Read? oh me. what are you watching what are you watching you so uh are you stream is there something you're binging on netflix or you know hulu or is there a movie that you think well, okay right that's that really has captured my imagination
2: I am a reality TV show junkie. So, right now I'm on season six of Vanderpump Rules. And I'm really glad that it's like dwindling down because The Bachelor just picked up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
2: so, then when I don't watch that, I'm watching 90 Day Fiance and I also watch Love <laughs> After Lockup. So, I just. Oh, nice. Watch wow. The oh, that's cool. Shows.
0: <laughs> that is a thing. You're really into that deep. That's awesome. Wow. I am. I know. You must really love this presidency.
2: <laughs> Why? Because it's, a it's like a reality oh, show. <laughs> yes. I wish. I wish I could just. You know, like, can we cancel the season? Yeah, I think we
0: can. I think we can. I'm hoping. I'm hoping.
1: I think that can happen.
2: Yeah. I if, yeah,
1: crossed. I'm oh hoping. man. Uh, funny. The
0: sequel, I don't know, but anyway, we'll see. <laughs> that's um.
2: funny.
1: Wow, that's great. Okay, and then I've asked four, so the fifth question. Oh, yeah. If Craig and I, what's that? Five. We yes. said four, but this yes, is five. A fifth right? question. So if Craig yeah. and I come to visit. Where are you taking us out to dinner? Like, what's the okay? Like, if I'm bring, hosting someone, I'm, uh, I mean, you're always hosting someone, but I mean, if you're, if you're having <laughs> to visitors, have a flavor of,
0: of, of the place, yes,
1: yeah, uh, you're like, okay, you go, I'm taking you out to this place.
2: Well, it would depend on what you like. I mean, everything. I like, I like everything. Everything except
0: for coconut and scallops.
2: <laughs> I love you scallops. Like coconut and scallops.
1: No, she, He says he likes everything but those two. But I'm uh, game for like even those. And so.
0: Scallops make me sick.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we won't do seafood or like island cuisine. Honestly, one of my favorite meals is my sister, uh, her boyfriend. Um, his family is from Mexico, and his mom. Is the best cook, oh, so I would probably go. take you over to their house because that's they cook yeah. for you. If you ate dinner here at the casa, and it was my night to cook, you would be eating cereal or scrambled eggs. <laughs> <So,
1: laughs> those good. Those good. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. I love it. So those are our five. We see, nope. I told you a lot of pressure on those.
0: I survived. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So, Craig. Okay. So we didn't talk much about Epiphany, but that's...
0: Yeah, we'll we'll pick that up next time.
1: Yes. We needed to hear about Casa de Paz. This place is... uh, Sarah, you're doing incredible work. It is really cool. I did did want to ask one thing. Is there... Has anyone ever come to you and been like, okay, I want to start something like this and followed you around or like, you know, like uh, shadowed you to learn what you're doing and then go started like somewhere else in another state or something?
2: Well, we've had um, people come to the CASA to learn, you know, whether that's like our the way that we manage our volunteers or how do we do mm-hmm. our social media, those kinds of things. Uh, but we haven't had anyone yet actually start a home. Maybe mm-hmm. they've hosted okay. people in their own homes, but we did have a young kid from a university. I went and I shared about the CASA, the volleyball league, and he was like, I want to do something like this in my community. So yeah. Four years ago, he started a soccer league in his hometown nice. and playing in the soccer league. And it's more than just soccer because it's about the youth, um, no, no. you know, um, the influence
1: that he has with those kids. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. That's really cool. Okay, we have to talk a little bit, uh, Sarah. I found out that you're a Cowboys fan, and they're playing tomorrow in the playoffs. They've won their first playoffs games. Let's talk about that a little bit, okay? Are they going to win? I'm
2: like a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, but if you ask me to name anyone on the team, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Just say Dak. Just, Just say Dak.
2: Wait, yeah. no, I don't trust you. I don't trust him. Craig. <laughs> I don't trust him. I don't David. David.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, so, okay, Sarah. So, I grew up in Idaho. Craig lives in Idaho. My favorite college team is the Boise State Broncos. So, I love the Boise State Broncos. And the Cowboys have on their team four different players from the Broncos. So I follow them pretty closely, but they have a kid sure. named Layton, really? yes, and they have a kid named Layton Vanderash on there, who's incredible, incredible. So
2: Vanderash,
1: yep, Vin, yes, yep. There we
2: Vander. go. I know one name. There you go. <laughs> so who, who are the four?
0: We okay. got Skandrick.
1: Uh, yeah, well, Skandrick is gone now. So oh,
0: is he? all right. See, I've yep. been boycotting football <laughs> for two years, so I don't know.
1: So there's Demarcus uh, uh, Lawrence. He's a defensive end. There's Tyrone Crawford. He's a, a defensive tackle. Leighton Van Der Esch, who's the linebacker. And then, yeah, I guess I said four because I was still thinking Skandrick, too. But it's down to three. But,
0: yeah. Okay. So, Sarah, you know three now. So.
2: <laughs> and I'm not going to remember them in ten minutes. But I'm still a diehard fan. Yes. All right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I think that they are not favored to win tomorrow, just so you know.
2: Who are we playing?
1: The Rams, New Orleans, the no the uh, L A Rams. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: is that the old Chargers team?
1: So no, the yes, the Chargers are in L A now too. Yes, but but no, they're it's different. Oh. it's, the, it's so. the old
2: St Louis
0: team that used it's to be. Old, the that's St. Louis right. The
1: Rams.
2: Okay, see, see. It's I'm, all
1: confusing.
2: Oh, but, yeah. but
0: before they were the St Louis Rams, they were actually the Los yeah. Angeles Rams.
1: The and before they were, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The they were that, yeah. Hot
2: chocolate. Weren't
0: they the Minnesota?
1: Uh, he, they were, all, yes. A lot of these teams have been all they're, over the place. They're so.
0: just a homeless bunch of sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Seems That's, okay. Are you
2: talking about us or the – No, the, the, on,
0: the, oh, the Rams. Rams. I'm at the Rams. Yeah, the Rams. <laughs> they're, like a herd, they're, a herd, they're like a herd of sheep. They just
1: kind of – Wander around. They graze from. wherever there's a pasture. They Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Okay. Well, so, yes, I guess right now we do have a good chance to make it to the Super Bowl, but we are not favored to win tomorrow, so. Yeah,
2: well, we're the underdogs.
1: That's, there you go. Embrace it.
2: Underestimate us. It's our time to shine. That's right.
0: (laughs) All right.
1: Okay, well, I got to sign off because I got to go pick up my daughters, not some girls, but my daughters.
0: Your daughters are girls
1: yes but i'm not going to pick up some girls greg
0: well no i yeah i know i i know who they are (laughs) okay but you keep saying that in our
1: episodes and every time it records it makes it sound like i'm going to pick up some
2: girls (laughs) gotta be provocative right
1: yeah
0: that's awesome we we need to put that in the title
1: no wait what needlessly provocative
0: no cody goes to leaves to pick up some girls (laughs) oh man (laughs)
1: Anyway, uh, Sarah, thank you for being our guest.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And we, if it's okay, we like to always leave an open invitation down the road to, re- to check back in on some of our past guests to see how things are going. So
2: Cool. That would be awesome.
1: Nice. Okay. All right, Craig and everybody, I guess uh, we're going to sign off. We'll do that. Okay. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, do we have any cool closing taglines or anything? What do we got? What do we... Uh,
0: Oh, I thought we were going to be burning down the house.
1: Oh, yeah, we should play a song.
0: Didn't cue up uh, David Byrne there because I thought you know <laughs> it's really not the best song it's title. So... Paso de Pause, but yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know exactly. We thought of that afterwards, well, but
2: it's okay. Yeah, we're just we're just going to appreciate the music. It has no meaning that's to right. us. There's
1: no symbolism here Nothing. at all. Okay,
0: so that'll be sure. that'll be our fade out.
1: <laughs> Is it plan?
0: Uh, you tell me. You're
1: you're, you're the
0: director. <laughs> We're so professional. We're
1: so pro here. So Craig loves this music, just so you
0: know. <laughs> Oh, when I was young,
1: Sarah, this was made when All I was time. two and you were not even
0: born.
1: We love you, David. Yeah. Alright now right. we're now, now we're for real out of here.
0: And now I gotta stop the recording.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, stop you should have stopped like two minutes ago.
0: That know, song is
2: so funny that you choked.
1: <laughs> I know
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hopefully I'll have renter's insurance or like homeowner's insurance in case there is a fire. But
1: yeah.
0: I think that's something you should have thought about already. I don't know.
1: but <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to run your business or anything. No, your no, business. I have renter's insurance,
2: but just for the new
1: house. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks
2: again. I What's had a lot of lot fun. Thanks,
1: yeah. Sarah. All right. Bye. bye.
0: All right. See you. Bye-bye.